I'm Gregory Cree of Harmonics, and right now, I'm in front of the legendary nightclub Frenchies. Can you believe it? Through this door, Michael Jackson, Cold Blood, Tower of Power, Peak, U.S. Mail. There has been so many, Malo, so many great groups that have passed through this doorway. But we're going to be going to interview Bill Quarry and Bruce Tussler. Hi, I'm Gregory Correa from Harmonics, and today I'm going to be interviewing Bill Quarry, the legendary promoter from the 60s, and also Bruce Tossler, who wrote the book Garage Bands Then and Now. Come on in. We are at right now on the spot at a very great place with the legendary Bill Quarry to my left, Bruce Tatchler on my right. All I have to say is there's so much information and so much rock history in this place right now that, you know, I, I don't know how to really begin because there's so many stories. So I'm going to first pose the question, Bill, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here today with you. Thank you. I'm glad to have you here. Uh, and Bruce, of course, we're going to talk about your book and uh, your longtime friendship with Bill. Um, it's an honor to be here with you also. Great. Thanks for having us. Oh, God, you cannot believe um, to be on harmonics and to have this greatness here. So I'm, I'm going to really get right into it. Um, Bill, tell me a little bit how you really got into uh, the rock business. It started out with the Haywood Recreation Department uh, doing the teen dances there. And a uh, car club I was in uh, doing dances to uh, get funds for the car club. And I just finally decided to do something for uh, the kids that were out, out there that didn't have anything to go, go to when they were out of high school. So we started the, the Moose Club in Castor Valley in 1958. And I st started the name uh, Teens and Twenties at that time. And teens and twenties. So you started teens and twenties. Uh, who was the first person that you actually booked in in the Moose Lodge? Uh, was a band called. Uh, there was two groups. Uh, one was Jimmy Bedford, and the other one was was Jimmy Cicero. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was your first act, and so, well, they, so they they were. They, different bands we alternated with both of those bands and then uh, from there you started going uh, different places or just stayed there for a little bit we did the uh, moose club for about almost a year and at the, during that time I happened to uh, meet a guy named uh, Manny Schwartz who was uh, the old promoter that was bringing in the coasters and Fats Domino and J James Brown and everyone and I happened to see him coming out of Prings while I was putting up a handbill and he happened to live in San Leandro and he said that uh, maybe we could do something locally with you and so that's how I got tied in with doing a Fats Domino show mm -hmm. and a Dwayne Eddy show and at that Dwayne time. And Dwayne Eddy and Fats. How and, was Fats? Uh, how old was he? No, how oh, was he? No, oh, how oh, was oh. he? Uh, you know, as a person uh, back then. Uh, he he was uh, he. My memory's a little sketchy from then, but uh, I do remember that he was a big drinker. <laughs> 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 he was uh, uh, he when he got through doing his show, he was back there with his bottle of bourbon. Bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's pretty amazing. So uh, in that time period, then you went into a, a, the legendary uh, area called Roll Arena. Well, what really happened is at that time, I got drafted into the Army. Mm. And I spent two years uh, being a military policeman. And uh, when I came out uh, as my first job, I be became a carpenter's apprentice. Mm -hmm. And at that time, the Beatles came, uh, and there was a lot of talking around about, you know, everybody was wanted that music again, so I had a chance to open up what's called the Carpenter's Hall for dances because I was a member. I was able to get in there, mm -hmm. and that's when I started Teens and Twenties up again. And Teens and Twenties, so it started in Carpenter's Hall, and then who was who were you who were you getting then? Uh, uh, a lot of local bands with uh, um, um, Peter Wheat. Uh, a lot of all, all those bands in those days were uh, the a group called the Nightcaps. There was a lot of lot of different groups at that time. Mm -hmm. That that uh, and then uh, the, the, I started getting larger bands. So that's when I looked for someplace else, and I found the Roll Arena on East Fourteenth. And that's where this all started, yeah. started coming in. And you started getting some name acts and British acts at that time. And also yeah. some of our local legends now who are, who are we classify as legends back then. And uh, they were just starting out. You told me an interesting story about um, Van Morrison oh. and them. Uh, you, you were saying that he found somebody that became... Well, Romantically linked? Yeah, he married her <laughs> at the Roll Arena. Uh, but that was his first show in the United States was the Roll Arena. Wow. Uh, so were they, that was with their hit, Gloria? Yes. Wow. That's incredible. That is incredible. We're going to switch a little bit. I'm going to talk, ask Bruce about if he remembers anything about Probably Roll Arena. Probably better than I will. Okay. <laughs> Bruce, do, do you remember some of the things about in, in Roll Arena in, in uh, some oh, of the shows? Oh, yeah. Shows? Bill had uh, two stages set up while one band was playing, another one was being set up. But <clears throat> Roll Arena was such a unique place because it was a, it gave us the opportunity, uh, us kids who were just in little garage bands, mm -hmm. the opportunity to stand next to our heroes. Mm -hmm. um, these bands, name bands, we called them in the book, right. that made it. I mean, standing next to Van Morrison, mm -hmm. had no idea how big he was going to be. Right. Uh, how far the group them would go, but Van Morrison is a legend, oh, a musical legend, legend right now. Yes. But they were, the rest of the band, Neil Diamond, all there's just so many, and they're all listed in the book, but there's so many, and we would be standing and talking with these guys right. at the Roll Arena. Right. It was just an incredible opportunity for all of us. You know, you, you, you mentioned um, rock legends, and, and, and in your book, Garage Bands from the 60s, then and now, and you, and you're such a rock historian, and I respect you so much, what you and Bill have done for this community. Um, you said Neil Diamond. Were you at that show? or just No, at, I wasn't. You were at that, but you were at the show with them. No, I wasn't, oh, you were actually. At okay. In fact, when they were playing, my band was probably playing. Oh, I see. Both yeah. of my bands, yeah, okay. I had two bands at that So time. did you ever go, you obviously went in Roll Arena. Oh, yeah. Can you tell me a band that you've seen in Roll Arena that... Oh, my gosh. Was it... Um, wasn't the Yardbirds? Was it the Yardbirds? With Jeff Beck and them? Yeah. They were there. <laughs> I, I, I think it was the I think it was the Yardbirds, but 
I can only recall uh, maybe one band, a um, lot of garage bands, mm-hmm. place packed always all the time. Packed, always packed. Uh, lines and the lines. I believe the evening that Van Morrison was playing there. I think, as Bill said earlier, went around the block. Yes. If I'm not mistaken. Yes, he, he did. He did mention that 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 the lines were big. You know, uh, Bill, um, you did some things with a group uh, that has. They are iconic. Uh, you did a thing with with the Doors and Jim Morrison, didn't you? Uh, a couple of things. Uh, we I did a show with White Star Tuna at the Oakland Coliseum, where I think it was uh, like two labels from a can of tuna and like two or three dollars. Do you see the Doors? Unbelievable. <laughs> now, was that Bill? Was was that in? Um, the height there there were they doing light my fire then or yes they were that was they, that was yes. they, i remember them uh i was sitting there watching the show myself and he hap- he hypnotized me he did i started seeing the lights go dimmer as i was watching them he was he was quite a sh- quite a showman the lizard quite a showman King. yeah did you ever have a, a did you have a, 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 any kind of introduction to jim or never a, never did uh he of course he most of those people that worked at least at that time, for, uh, they wanted to be there by themselves. Uh, Van Morrison was the same way. He wanted to be somewhere by himself. Mm. So did, uh, I noticed that Jim Morrison went over himself. Uh, when I, years later, when I had Michael Jackson, he mm-hmm. we had to put a room down below at Frenchie's by himself. Mm. All those people wanted to be out, uh, out of way of any people. <laughs> That's kind of interesting. You know, I, I, I want to I, I get that uh, story. You produced Michael Jackson at Frenchie's, am I correct? That was, uh, that was when he just went solo. Uh, that, was, uh, that was like 1980. It was a long, lot of years later. And how, how was that show? I, I remember seeing uh, the after when uh, people couldn't believe that Michael Jackson was actually performed on uh, Mission Boulevard yeah. at, at Frenchie's. And because Frenchie's was such a, you had such great groups there. But uh, how was Michael received there that night? Or uh, can you recall? Um, I, I, can, I did sit and talk to him for about 10 minutes downstairs where we had to, had to keep him and he uh, he just told me, I guess what he's told other people over the years. He was only comfortable on stage, wow. and he autographed a picture for me, and he was really nice. And then they put him on the stage. And it, even at that time, when he was by himself, he still had four or five bodyguards. Really, he, even you know before he really became huge, mm-hmm. uh, 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 wooed everybody, and then off he went. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm gonna I'm gonna change over to go over to yeah. Bruce again. Bruce, d- did you go into Frenchies at all? We played at Frenchies. My second band, the U.S. Mail, mm-hmm. played there, and uh, I'll never forget that night. We thought we had really made it that mm-hmm. night, right? Because we had uh, go-go dancers in cages on both sides of us, mm-hmm. and uh, we put on a good show. That was a good band, the U.S. Mail. But yeah, that was a very, very memorable night. Band. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go uh, follow up on that. I played also at Frenchie's Thanks to You. I met you when I was a young man. And that's what mesmerized me was the go-go dancers. Yeah. You know, you go on stage and all of a sudden these, these babes come up. And you just go, 
can I remember the lyric, you know, or... Dancing to your music. Yes, dancing, it was kind of incredible. And that was sort of like, uh, if you played Frenchies, you were on your way, yeah. you know. Um, you talked about the U.S. mail. Uh, how did you get that started? How did that come about? Was well, my first band was The Talisman, and we started that band in September of 1964. Wow. Um, it was a good band. We had uh, several personnel changes. Mm -hmm. um, and then Michael Fagri, our lead, or rather our rhythm guitarist, left the band. A couple of other guys left the band. Mm -hmm. And Steve Finucchi, our drummer, and myself were left to rebuild. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got several good musicians, mm -hmm. called them the U.S. Mail. Mm -hmm. And uh, Skip Mesquite was our uh, keyboard player. Skip Mesquite, uh, Who was uh, in several garage bands mm -hmm. prior to the U.S. Mail. But he also... Uh, played with the Motowns who evolved into Tower of Power mm -hmm. and Skip is on I believe the first three albums of Tower. Wow, incredible. Yeah. I'm gonna switch again and because you guys are just it's it's so cool right <clears throat> now. Um, Bill you did a thing I understand that you had a union card of is it Neil Diamond? Yeah. You still have that to this day? Yes I do. I never gave it back to him. <laughs> <laughs> got a little pirate in them, I think, you know. Um, well, I forgot to, and then I never got a chance to see him again. <laughs> you, you produce in your lifetime, you've produced hundreds and hundreds of shows. Uh, Paul Revere and the Raiders. Yeah, that was, uh, that was uh, one, of the, one of the first, what, what you'd call, Coliseum shows I did with mm -hmm. no dancing, because in the beginning we started, it was all dance concerts, and then we had to, with the bigger acts, you had to have all sit down. Mm -hmm. And uh, Paul Revere was the first big show I did. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had six or 7,000 screaming girls there. Nice young men. They yes, were young at that very, time. Very, very, very nice. And, uh, uh, Mark uh, Lindsay. Yeah, he yeah. was they were very nice people. And, and uh, I remember I was standing on the side of the stage and uh, some young girl got up. <clears throat> I guess was on the stage on the side somehow she w got up there and she says I just want to stay here so I could just watch him a little closer and I said go ahead and the next six second she was right around Mark's back wrapped, wrapped around him <laughs> she <laughs> she couldn't even she wouldn't even leave go <laughs> that's great you know you also worked with Sonny and Cher I understand. Sonny and Cher was, uh, 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 I opened up a, a place in Concord called the Concord Coliseum, uh, which was an old purity store that we remodeled. And, and uh, we did a benefit for cerebral palsy and Sonny and Cher uh, donated their services for that cause. Uh, uh, had them flew in you know picked them at the airport picked them up what took them out to concord uh uh did the show uh just uh donated the services uh, and they were pretty big uh big stars then. were they doing i got you babe then too oh sure yeah that's a was their signature song i i would imagine you know i want to i want to change the gear a little bit and i want to go to a time where uh things were being done um altamont rolling stones Jefferson Starship, Santana, or it was the airplane? They were all there. Yeah. They were all there. So, tell me, what, what was your capacity in that being there at that time? Because, you know, it's been well documented, and 
Well, we want to document some of your history that you were there. Well, my, it wasn't. Uh, it just happens to be that I was the person to do the concessions for for Altamont. Uh, we got involved because we were still doing shows uh, on the road. You might might say we weren't doing any. We were going to little towns and all this, but we were still. Uh, and I heard the Rolling Stones were coming and they were going to go to Searsville Lake and so we contacted the, the Stones people and so well they needed somebody to do the concessions so we we were we, we arranged to do that and then of course what three days before they decided to move it to had to move it and they found Altamont because they needed a location so we decided we were the people to do the concessions at Altamont too. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up uh, uh, renting, uh, uh, I mean, buying two cases, two, two truckloads full of uh, soft drinks, so on, hot dogs, all kinds of stuff, uh, for what we thought was 20 or 30,000 people, oh which was a little bit uh, under what we <laughs> did show up. Very much so. <laughs> but, but we, we had a, contact with St. Elizabeth High School so we actually had the school uh, supply us with two busloads of kids to work at it. Oh, that was nice. So time. so we had uh, so on and so forth but and I was up there at, the, at Altamont all night trying to set it up the Sam Cutler I think was the manager of the Rolling Stones he was had a Lincoln Continental he had me get inside the Continental and he would drive me around the the hills to find locations to put the concession stands. Oh my goodness! But as he, we were doing all this, people were arriving by thousands out, out around around the out around the grounds outside. Uh, it's a little hard for me to talk because I've had a stroke That's and okay. I I, That's okay. I get a little bit confused. As <laughs> you were in Altamont, uh, but we 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 were just trying to get the people. Uh, uh, on the stands and we realized we couldn't do that so we decided to open one big stand uh wow. with and we had i know the hell's angels was a security yeah. at, at, at uh, altamont but we had our own bikers for security ourselves because it wouldn't have worked no other way so we ended up with one stand for i think it didn't Thousands. work out for for two hundred thousand people. Two hundred thousand, exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, do you remember anything about um, the concert at all? I mean, did you? I saw them coming and going, and I walked down a couple of times. But I, I, we were at the top of the hill. Mm -hmm. All these things were happening down at the bottom of the hill. We mm -hmm. were down up above where they were coming and going. Mm -hmm. The stones would fly in. They had helicopters going in and out. No, because nobody could get out of there or right. in without a helicopter. It stopped the freeways. Uh, and I was a young kid, and I, I remember it stopped the freeways. Bruce, do you remember anything about Altamont at all? Uh, you know, obviously it's a big name in rock uh, history and all that, but do you remember any of that taking place? You know, in? I didn't attend. I only remember the unfortunate circumstances that right. took place. Mm -hmm. But I do remember a story that Bill told me when they did have to move it from Sears Point over to Altamont, helicopters would 
you would see the helicopters flying over carrying the outhouses. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> Taking the outhouses from yeah, Sears right. Point over to uh, Altamont. <laughs> yeah. That's about all I remember of yeah. Altamont. Yeah. Uh, we're going we're gonna to change a little bit of a gear. We're going to change a little gear right now. We're going to talk about something that is very passionate to these two gentlemen. Um, both of these guys are very close friends. Uh, they started this book, and this is the first book, the first edition of Garage Bands from the 60s, then and now. And then a second edition that is now out, and it's called Garage Bands from the 60s, then and now, which was kind of incredible. Um, and I'm going to really uh, talk to Bruce about it. And um, Bruce, what, what made you, inspire you to do this? Well... We all know what took place in San Francisco. Yes. <clears throat> um, Summer of Love, all the wonderful bands that played over there, the mm -hmm. Fillmore, Bill Graham. Right. But not much has been documented as to what took place on this side of the bay. Right. And this was a melting pot of talent over here. Right. And a lot of these musicians use these garage bands as springboards in their career. Mm -hmm. uh, Greg Raleigh played for William Penn and his pals. Mm -hmm. Greg was uh, in Santana, lead right. vocalist at Keyboards. Journey. Skip Mesquite, Journey. Mm -hmm. Skip Mesquite, who played with my band, went on to play with Cold Blood, Tower of Power. Amazing. Uh, the list goes on and on. Right. And that all, these people, these young kids were mm -hmm. from the East Bay. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to put a fun read together. Right. And uh, this is what we came up with. You know, this, this book covers so much history and I commend you because really it it makes this man who gave so much joy to so many thousands of people. Absolutely. Um, uh, Bill, I, I just want to say I, it's, it's a thrill to interview you. You've given so much joy. The stories that I've heard about you, you're a total gentleman. Um, you always kept your cool, you know. Uh, there was, a, you know, but you were always there. And uh, you did so many great things for so many guys and gave an opportunity. Bruce, when some of this, this book right here, I'm just going to take the second edition. Um, you have some great artwork in the back. Um, how long did it take you to do this? And I know you interviewed extensively uh, a lot of people. How long did it actually take you to, to do this, this book, this research? I would say from start to finish, uh, all the research, uh, story writing, Probably six years. Six years. Yeah, probably six years. Unbelievable. Um, have a thing uh, that's coming up, and we uh, uh, in Harmonics we want to get this on. Um, you have a, a book signing that's coming in uh, October twenty fourth, two ten, at two p.m. and it's going to be at the Barnes and Nobles. Am I correct? Correct. Uh, at uh, in Dublin. So for all our viewers who are watching this show today and in the preceding days, um, come on out to Barnes & Nobles. These two legendary people will be there um, hosting this book. Uh, it's a great book. Uh, there's some people even here that are in the book, but that's another story by itself. Uh, we look forward to having you. I want to thank you, Bruce, for being on my show. Uh, and I'd also like to thank you for being on my show also. It's, a, it's an honor. Uh, to get some history from you guys, um, and what's always what always happens at um, my show, I like you guys to look at the camera and uh, give.
give everybody, all our lady fans, we got a lot of lady fans on harmonics. Give the ladies a big kiss to your wives or your girlfriends or whoever, to your wife. And uh, this is Gregory Korea with Bruce and Bill saying good night. God bless you and have a pleasant evening.